Do you wonder whether or not Halloween is just a harmless night of costumes and candy? Are you confused about whether or not as a Christian you should participate in an occasion with such questionable pagan roots? Do you fear you could be sacrificing your family's holiness for a handful of dum-dums? And we are so glad you're joining us for today's episode. I'm your host, Katie Morgan, and welcome to Parenting with Ginger Hubbard. Ginger is the best-selling author of Don't Make Me Count to Three, Wise Words for Moms, and I Can't Believe You Just Said That. She speaks at women's events, parenting conferences, and homeschool conventions across the country. You can check out her parenting resources and find out when she's speaking in or near your area at gingerhubbard.com. And while you're there, be sure to sign up for updates so you'll always know about new podcast episodes. You'll also receive a free gift from Ginger when you sign up. Before we get started on today's episode, here's a quick word from our sponsor. Once upon a time, there was a homeschooling mom named Shoparella who had a problem. She loved buying shiny new books, all the books, and she especially loved buying new curricula for her mice. This isn't a perfect analogy, but just hang with me. Unfortunately, she sometimes spent money on books and curricula that just didn't fit. Kind of like trying to shove a glass slipper on her stepsister's janky feet. But what Shoparella really needed was a team of fairy curriculum consultants named Janice, Deanne, Sarah, Gina, Ruth, and Judy. Yes, these are their real names. To help her make good curriculum choices. Thankfully, Shoparella found Rainbow Resource Center. Rainbow Resource Center is a family-owned business serving the homeschool community since 1989. Basically, they've been around since uh, Shoparella was very, very young. Even if you don't homeschool, Rainbow Resource Center is a wonderful place to get educational gifts for kids of all ages. You can sort their huge catalog of resources by grade and by subject to get the best educational products for your family. But hurry, because on the stroke of 12, everything will be as it was before, meaning you can get their great prices all day every day at rainbowresource.com. Again, that's rainbowresource.com and get free shipping on orders over $50 and live happily ever after the delivery truck arrives. Well, hello to our listeners. Ginger Hubbard here. Today is another one of our episodes where I've asked Katie to take the lead because I just love what she has to say about this controversial topic on whether or not Christians should celebrate Halloween. And as always, we're not here to tell you guys what you should or shouldn't do because that's your personal convictions. And so, uh, Katie, before we get started, though, first, I just want to say thank you for all the prayer and research that you put into preparing for this episode. I think it's going to be just as I opening and encouraging for our listeners as it has been for me. But I'm going to go ahead and warn you guys, you better buckle up, especially (laughs) if you believe that Halloween is the only celebration in our country that originated from pagan roots. Like all information we're being fed these days, we really shouldn't just take people's word for it, but do our own research and then pray for God to give us wisdom in how we should respond. And more importantly, when it comes to controversial topics in the church, such as Halloween, we want to make sure that our convictions are based on the truths of God's Word and His commands rather than just the opinion of others. So, Katie... In the course of researching and preparing for this episode, I would imagine you saw a lot of contradicting opinions, uh, (laughs) even among Christians. Absolutely, Ginger. You know, there weren't many lukewarm articles about this subject. (laughs) I found titles like, you know, Seven Reasons Why Christians Should Celebrate Halloween, or Why Christians Absolutely Should Not Celebrate Halloween. And those are actual titles of articles, by the way. From the outset, though, I'll say that 
I do not doubt the sincerity of either side of this discussion, and I have personally known God-fearing parents who feel strongly on both sides of the argument. Now, in the interest of full disclosure, my husband and I do allow our kids to trick-or-treat on Halloween. We opt not to decorate our home with any symbols that glorify death or witchcraft, such as ghosts, zombies, witches, etc. And we also don't allow our children to dress in costumes depicting those things. But we do have lots of fun allowing our kids to come up with costume ideas. Uh, We usually try to do something homemade because it's just more fun that way for us. We also love giving away candy to our neighbors. And finally, we all enjoy figuring out what to do with 80 pounds of artificial colors and flavors. So I stand (laughs) over the mountain of candy on the floor of our living room, and I force my kids to give me all their Twix and Kit Kats while I talk about how terrible it all is for our teeth. (laughs) And then we usually take it to the pediatric dentist who exchanges it for cheap plastic toys that will break in less than a day. So it's all good fun for my (laughs) entire family. So obviously, we are not anti-Halloween in our house. And I'll bet that just caused a lot of our listeners' ears to perk up because, like you said, Katie, there are strong conflicting opinions about Halloween and trick-or-treat, even among Christians, mm-hmm. which makes the decision for parents you know, really even more confusing. So, Katie, I'm excited for you to share how and why Christian parents might feel confused or conflicted about Halloween and to hopefully offer some encouragement for those who might be on the fence about whether or not to participate. Well, sure. Now, I found both in my research and through my own experience that there are many reasons Christians feel led to not celebrate Halloween. But the most frequent reason I could find goes something like this. Halloween is a demonic, worldly, evil, pagan holiday. One article I read actually said this, quote, there are no muddled lines or gray areas about it. A committed follower of Jesus Christ should not celebrate Halloween, end of quote. That's a pretty hard line that this pastor has drawn in the sand for his congregation. Mm, Yes, it is. I think most Christians probably know that ancient Celts and uh, started this Druid festival over 2,000 years ago, and it was referred to as a Day of the Dead back then. There's definitely some conflicting information, uh, though, as to exactly what they did in honor of the dead as far as sacrifices and other rituals, but clearly it was paganistic in nature. So I don't really think there's a gray area as far as that goes, but for the pastor to say that there is no gray area as far as how a committed follower of Jesus is to respond— Well, that's a problem. Uh, It's like when pastors say things like a committed follower of Jesus Christ should not eat out on Sunday because it's a violation of the Sabbath, or a committed follower of Jesus Christ should not take their kids to Disney World or watch Disney Mm -hmm. movies or purchase products from certain name brands because of what those organizations support. That's not pastoring. That's dictating. Mm -hmm. It's basically spiritual manipulation and bullying. There are clear commands laid out in the Word of God for us to follow, such as do not steal, do not lie, do not commit adultery. But when we start presenting our personal convictions as biblical commands, we're elevating our own opinions above the Word of God. Mm -hmm. As Christians, we are to proclaim the truths of God's Word and then ask the Holy Spirit to work in the hearts and lives of those who have the eyes to see and the ears to hear. But to tell people how they are to respond to the Holy Spirit is to put ourselves in the position of the Holy Spirit. 
We shouldn't be so quick to draw hard lines for ourselves and our fellow Christians in regards to the way we interact with our culture. The way that Jesus himself interacted with people in cultures was looked <laughs> down upon by religious leaders, and they criticized him for it. But Jesus had a much higher perspective because he had a much higher purpose. His mission was to show love and grace and hope to people, and that was far more important to him than the opinions of others. We want to live the same way Jesus did. We want to seek the will of the Father in all things. So instead of drawing hard lines that are based on the opinions of others, we want to leave room for the Holy Spirit to lead us and how we're to respond. When our intentions are for the purpose of His glory, we can be sure that He'll use those intentions for His glory. But when we draw those hard lines for ourselves and our fellow believers in Christ that are based on our personal convictions rather than actual biblical commands, we align ourselves with the religious leaders and hypocrites that Jesus condemned. Mm. And if there's one thing I think we can all agree on, especially in light of everything we've observed and experienced in 2020, it's that <laughs> hypocrisy and inconsistency go hand in hand. So Katie, take us down that rabbit hole for a bit. If we say that our convictions keep us from participating in Halloween because it was derived from pagan roots, in order to remain consistent with our convictions, what other holidays and traditions would we have to avoid? Well, as you said, Ginger, we want to be careful not to draw hard lines where God himself may not even do so. But what if we did draw that hard line for ourselves, our families, and even for Christians across the board? Let's carry that thought process to its logical conclusion. If we eliminate everything from our lives that has pagan or questionable roots, what would that entail? Now, a quick word of clarification here. I use the term pagan mostly in reference to any non-Christian and specifically polytheistic religions. So you can find so many examples of these things with a simple search online. But here are a few that I found most interesting, and some of them were actually funny to me. So worshiping on Sunday has pagan roots. Wait, what? I thought just eating out on Sunday had pagan roots. <laughs> no, that's a whole different rabbit trail for another day. <laughs> yeah, we'll, but, we'll, we'll save that one. That's right. But the name Sunday itself even has pagan roots, not to mm. mention the other days of the week and months of the year. Nearly all of them are derived from the names of pagan deities. Many of us already know and have heard similar things about the pagan roots of Easter and even Christmas. Some believe that the day, the actual day that we celebrate Christmas, December 25th, has pagan roots. Furthermore, not only will we need to change the date of our celebrations, but we'd have to eliminate mistletoe, Christmas trees, giving gifts, which the Puritans actually banned because of the connection with that tradition to Saturnalia. Now, Saturnalia was the Roman holiday dedicated to Saturn, the god of the harvest. And there are so many other things we traditionally associate with Christmas, like evergreen wreaths, advent candles, even Christmas ornaments. All of these things began as pagan traditions. Now, let's talk about weddings. Oh, no. Here we go. Katie is out of the corner and on the soapbox, ladies and gentlemen. That's it. Well, okay, so bridesmaids were traditionally present and wore clothing similar to the bride in order to deceive evil spirits. Apparently, bride snatching was a real concern. Also, <laughs> evil spirits were a big concern. In fact, that is the entire purpose of the bridal veil, to ward off evil spirits. Traditions like wedding vows, rings flower girls, bridal bouquets, and wedding cakes all have pagan roots, and many of them actually predate Christianity. Hmm. Okay, one more. This one is fascinating. Covering your mouth to yawn 
has pagan <laughs> origins. So in ancient Rome, doctors believed that yawning allowed a person's vital life essence to escape their body. (laughs) Well, I don't care if it's derived from pagan roots. I make a weird face when I yawn. So covering my (laughs) mouth is rooted in vanity for me. (laughs) It also blocks people from seeing all five of my chins. Okay. Well, (laughs) I'm not giving it up. uh, Yeah, I don't know if multiple chins, which you do not have, by the way, were an (laughs) issue for ancient Romans. But they actually attributed the high infant mortality rate to the fact that babies couldn't cover their mouths when they would yawn. That's where they came up with that. Oh my goodness. That is ridiculous. It It reminds me of that country song, God is great, beer is good, and people are crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Thankfully, doctors have come a long way since then. (laughs) But I don't know. Then again, I do wonder sometimes. Ginger, I have never heard that saying before, but we do have a new t-shirt idea. <laughs> well, you'd have to get the copyright because that God would be infringing on you. Is this, it's a country song. You've never heard that? I've never heard. Well, I don't listen to country music. My no, husband okay. does. No, okay. I don't. Well, he's probably heard it then. Yeah, I'm sure he has. Okay. Anyway, I find these things so fascinating because much, if not all, of the original meaning and intent of these rituals and holidays are lost from one generation to the next. I didn't know any of those things, and I have pretty much participated in all of those things. One article I read put it really well. Many of our sacred rites come down to us from the ancient Romans, whose heathen customs were preserved by the Christian community and given a new meaning. So Mm. given a new meaning. I love that. Mm, Yeah, but the argument could certainly be made that we shouldn't take something so clearly demonic and try to redeem it, so to speak. Okay, well, there is some question as to whether or not Halloween actually began as a Christian tradition that got overrun and muddled by paganism. So much the way our Christian celebrations of the birth of Christ have done so today. Mm, Yeah, that's really interesting you would say that, Katie, because when I researched the origins of Halloween many years ago when my kids were little and we were trying to decide how we should or shouldn't participate, there was a lot of information about the Celts and the Druids not just sacrificing plants and animals to honor the dead, but also sacrificing people. Mm -hmm. But interestingly enough, when I searched the internet the other day, I couldn't find anything about them sacrificing people. You know, all that to say, history is just being changed and even rewritten these days to the point that who knows what to believe. That's right. We can't know with absolute certainty what's true or not true about the origins of Halloween. So instead of focusing so much on how we should respond to the ways the people of our culture celebrate, perhaps we should just focus more on the people of the culture. Mm. You know, isn't that what Jesus did? He didn't agree with the way the woman at the well was living, but he met her at the well. He didn't agree with the way the tax collector was living, but he met with him in his home. Jesus took every opportunity to love people regardless of what they were doing. That's exactly right. I don't know if you and your family have jumped on the monthly membership bandwagon, but my family really has. There are several that we get super excited about, but one of my kids' absolute favorites is called Dwell. Dwell is a monthly membership of scripture designs to help you and your family memorize one Bible verse every month. So we have what's called the Family and Friends membership, and it includes a four by five and a half print of the scripture verse, two key cards with the verse, and this is my favorite part, nine temporary tattoos. The designs are just beautiful, and I think this is a perfect Christmas or a birthday gift that doesn't include just more plastic stuff laying around the house. Actually, I have a funny story about my dwell tattoo. I was having dinner with my parents one night and I had one on my wrist because we were learning John 8:36. Well, my dad saw it and asked if I had a new tattoo on my arm and I was like, "Yeah, dad, I've had this for almost 10 years." <laughs> and he said, "Well, I never noticed that before." <laughs> and then I had to confess that I lied to my dad about a fake scripture tattoo. So, you know, don't be like me. 
To learn more about this wonderful way to help you and your family hide God's word in your heart, go to dwelldifferently.com and use the code GINGER10 to get 10% off your order. Again, that's dwelldifferently.com and use the code GINGER10. One of our most hilarious church moments happened before COVID. You know, back when we were allowed to sit next to people. Well, my son had brought his favorite Lightning McQueen car with him that particular Sunday. We were sitting in the middle of our very large church, so literally thousands of people, when suddenly lightning hit the floor and he rolled and he rolled and he rolled all the way to the front of the church. And then some amazing person at the front, probably a dad, just picked up the car and without even looking back, he just passed it over his shoulder to the row behind him. And that person passed it back and back all the way until lightning was returned and my face was pretty much as red as that car. That story is one of the main reasons I'm so excited to share more about our sponsor, Not Consumed. Not Consumed is a family-owned ministry with dozens of products to help you and your family grow in faith. Their Bible studies for kids and families are amazing and so helpful. I love the one entitled My Brother's Keeper. But my favorite product is the Sermon Notebook. I just love that this is a way for our kids, as young as four years old even, to stay engaged with the sermon rather than distracting the entire church. To find out more about Not Consumed Ministries' incredible catalog of products and to download their free family Bible study, just visit notconsumed.com slash ginger. Again, that's notconsumed.com slash ginger. I've heard Christians refer to Romans 13, 12, where we're told to put away deeds of darkness. Certainly, we want to abstain from those things that God's Word considers darkness. So specifically in that chapter of Romans, Paul refers to orgies, drunkenness, sexual immorality, sensuality, quarreling, and jealousy. So if your Halloween parties look like that, and many do, by all means, please stop. Do not go to those parties. (laughs) But a few verses earlier, the Apostle Paul talks about how we can sum up the whole law in this word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Mm -hmm. I find that significant to point out because I can't think of another holiday or occasion where my literal neighbors come all in the same night to my door and allow me to engage them and show generosity towards them. Mm. I don't want to downplay our concerns about the occult, but I also believe that there is room for Christians to do what has been done by Christians throughout history, to take these traditions and give them new meaning. So what if instead of turning off our lights, locking our doors and complaining about the foot traffic through our flower beds, I actually did that at our last house. um, What if we (laughs) turned on our porch lights, engaged our neighbors and gave generously to them and to their children? Mm, Wow, Katie, I love that perspective. You know, John Piper, who he's one of my favorite preachers, he said it this way. I'm willing to run the risk of attachment to worldliness in order to be biblically faithful in witness. I love that he doesn't just encourage us to redeem Halloween, so to speak, by making it about spending time only with other Christians who hate the occult as much as we do. Um, He focuses instead on our Christian witness to those outside the body of believers. And that is such an others-oriented, Christ-centered focus. It really is. Another token verse of those who you know, disagree with celebrating Halloween in any form or fashion, the often quote 2 Corinthians 6.14, where Paul says, what fellowship has light with darkness? But if we read that entire chapter, we see that Paul is actually talking about being unequally yoked with non-believers. So in other words, he's not asking or encouraging Christians to abstain from interacting with the world in general. 
He would contradict the Great Commission if that's what he meant. We aren't called to retreat from the world. Rather, we're called to proclaim Christ to the world. Mm, Amen, sister. And, you know, I believe there's plenty of room in this discussion for Christian liberty and also the personal conviction of the Holy Spirit. So please don't hear me trying to shame any of our listeners into any particular conviction. As a matter of fact, let's look back at Romans. Chapter 14 exhorts Christians to not quarrel or pass judgment about issues that are non-essential to the gospel, namely food, drink, and religious observations. And that's the bottom line here. Mm-hmm. If you've prayed about it and feel that God is leading you to not participate in Halloween festivities at all, then you should submit to the conviction of the Holy Spirit in your life. But you shouldn't judge, none of us should judge or condemn someone who has also prayed about it and are submitting to the conviction of the Holy Spirit in their lives. That's so right, Ginger. And rather than splitting hairs anymore about the origins of Halloween or the current redeemable value of it, I just want to ask us all, all of us who profess the name of Christ, a hard question. Are we honestly more comfortable shunning the people and things of this world, turning off our proverbial porch lights, and isolating ourselves with our fellow believers until Jesus returns? Truthfully, I wrote this question and it it stung. It hurts to think about a lot. I'm an introverted homebody who loves nothing more than to not have people randomly knock on my door. I'm just being honest. That's my personality. Oh, quick side note. My doorbell randomly rings all the time. And it's not a gentle ring either. It's actually Beethoven's fifth that comes over (laughs) the entire house. It's so annoying. We call it the phantom of the doorbell. (laughs) And it's not just annoying. I can actually vouch that the phantom is real. It is. It is. Ronnie and I stayed with Brian and Katie a few weeks ago and the phantom rang the doorbell. It was pretty late. It seems like it was after 10 o'clock at night. It was just super eerie. That's right. And it was already like three hours past Ginger's bedtime at that point. So I'm just glad it didn't happen any later than that. (laughs) Yes, old people have to turn in early. That's right. Well, I just find our doorbell situation amusing because I don't really love it when people just drop by my house unexpectedly because I'm probably not wearing makeup and maybe not even a bra, but I I get this sweet, not so gentle reminder every so often that there are people who do exist outside my home who could ring my doorbell at any moment. (laughs) And many of those people do not know Jesus. Mm, That's right. Now, one thing we want to say is we're not wanting to, uh, or we're not meaning to lump all Christians into just two categories here, those who participate in neighborhood trick-or-treat festivities and those who don't. When my kids were growing up, we were the family that turned off the porch light and went to the fall festival at our church instead of participating in trick-or-treat in our neighborhood. But we didn't just isolate ourselves with other Christians. It was a community outreach event with attractions and games where we interacted with non-churchgoers and handed out lots of free candy to kids whose parents didn't want them to go door-to-door to to trick-or-treat for whatever reason. Some parents are just leery of the door-to-door thing, or or I don't know, maybe it's just that they're too lazy to make the rounds. I don't know. (laughs) But our church offered a fun, safe environment for their kids to come and have fun. So there are other ways of showing love and generosity to our neighbors, or in our case, our community. That's right, Ginger. And I think our former church actually in Birmingham, the church at Brook Hills, is doing that very thing. And they're one of the most missions-minded churches we've ever joined. They end every service by reciting the Great Commission, and it's awesome. So I definitely think 
the church can get involved in providing opportunities for community outreach on that day. Yeah, that's a great thing that a lot of churches are doing there. So that just goes to show you that there's there's several different options here. But I will say, now that our kids are grown, we've started staying home and handing out candy on Halloween. And in all honesty, there are a lot more kids who show up at the door than kids who showed up at our church fall festival. And it's probably kids, many of them, that don't know the Lord, which of course is based on my judgmental assessment of their costumes. <laughs> Well, you know, I mean, honestly, Ginger, that's something for us to keep in mind as well. Even if we do participate in Halloween with our kids, I don't, I hate dressing up. Um, But the things we choose for our kids, and even if we do choose to dress up ourselves, those things speak volumes to the people around us. So this is exactly why, well, it's one of the reasons why I don't buy women's costumes online, because they take every decent idea and turn it into a negligee. It's so irritating. Isn't that the truth? (laughs) So Katie, again, I do love the perspective you're bringing here and that what Whatever our convictions are about it, we just want to make sure that we aren't missing opportunities to love our neighbors because what it all boils down to is that Jesus did not give us a direct command regarding trick or treat, but he did give us a direct command to love our neighbors. I recently listened to a fairly well-known Christian writer and speaker give a presentation on whether or not Christians should allow their kids to participate in trick or treat. And he said, and I quote, parents should not let their kids be out there doing what pagans are doing. Mm. Really? Wow. I mean, so Mm. everyone who goes trick-or-treating is pagan? And then he turned right around and recommended that as an alternative to trick-or-treat, Christian parents should find a church that offers trunk-or-treat because, (laughs) and I quote again, most kids are happy to just get candy without having to celebrate paganism. And that's the end of the quote. So let me get this straight. (laughs) Yeah. You're celebrating paganism if you knock on your neighbor's door and get candy, but not if you get candy out of a trunk at church. Is it a holy trunk? Did the pastor <laughs> anoint the trunk with oil before the kids got there? You know, let's just let's not judge folks. I'm picturing what a holy trunk might look like. Definitely not the back of my minivan because uh, Ginger, there's a smell we cannot identify. It is horrible. I'm not even kidding. I love how David Mathis says it in his article entitled Take Halloween Captive. And we'll we'll put a link in the show notes for this article. It's awesome. But he says this, because of the authority of Jesus and his power within us and remembering that Satan is our enemy, not our neighbors, we lean into Halloween, Mm -hmm. not away. We turn the porch lights on to chase away the darkness. We have the best candy on the street and give with generosity, not the cheapest fare with a miser's hand. So translation, everybody, just in case you don't know, the cheapest fare he refers to are those crappy candies that are in the orange and black wrappers. No kid (laughs) likes those. Or raisins. Okay, I hate artificial colors and flavors as much as the next uptight mom, but please do not be the raisin lady. Please don't. (laughs) The raisin lady. (laughs) Seriously, that's like getting an itchy tight sweater for Christmas. Yeah, if you're the raisin lady, please turn off your porch light and go to bed. (laughs) Exactly. No kidding. (laughs) David Matthew... Matthews. Mathis continues with this. We open the door wide and linger in conversation. We plan ahead about how to make the most of this unique opportunity when a society of people who increasingly keep to themselves in the neighborhood turn on lights and knock on doors. That just gave me chills. I Mm -hmm. love that. Mm -hmm. So in this age of pandemic fearing, technology addicted, socially distant people, When do we have another opportunity in the year to engage our neighbors in this way? Can you tell me another day when all of our neighbors will come to our door or when we will go to their doors all in one evening? Mm -hmm. And if you say, what about Christmas caroling, Katie? Well, then I have bad news for you. (laughs) Number one, 
sadly, nobody does that anymore because of COVID. And number two, caroling actually started as a pagan tradition called wassailing, which was basically a middle-aged form of drunken door-to-door begging. Great. So there. Now you've you've ruined Christmas, Katie. Good job. Happy to help. So now is the part of our show where we give a quick tip for parents. This is one of our favorite parts of the show because it reminds us that parenting isn't meant to be done alone. If the coronavirus has taught us anything, it's that we weren't meant to live in isolation. So today's quick tip is courtesy of... Maddie in Washington. Maddie writes, Hey, Ginger and Katie, I love listening to your podcast while I'm running after my 10-month-old. Oh, busy mom. And she says, My quick tip is for fruit fly control. That's a little bit of a tongue twister, so I had to say it slow. (laughs) Put about three tablespoons of apple cider vinegar into the bottom of a cup. Then squeeze dish soap around the inner edge of the cup one inch down. Lastly, use a piece of paper to make a funnel. Then tape the paper around the whole rim of the cup. Make sure the paper doesn't touch the apple cider vinegar. The vinegar attracts the flies, the funnel guides them in, and the soap helps to drown them. I did this a few weeks ago when we were out of town and left the garbage open. After 30 minutes, about 100 fruit flies were trapped. Oh, wow. I know. Maddie, I really wish you would have sent this quick tip a few weeks ago when we were staying uh, with some friends in Woodstock, Georgia for the weekend, and their whole house was infested with fruit flies. It drove us nuts the whole weekend. Well, Ginger, not to brag, but I actually do this already. I have a mason jar sitting on my counter next to our fruit bowl. I do the vinegar and the dish soap in the bottom of it, but then I put glad press and seal on the top of it. Mm -hmm. Or, I mean, I just, any um, clean wrap will do. Mm -hmm. And then I put the rim of the lid, the mason jar lid back on without the center part so that you Mm -hmm. can see the press and seal. I hope that makes sense. And then I take a toothpick and poke small holes in the top of the press and seal so that the vinegary smell doesn't escape, but the flies do get trapped down in there once they reach the vinegar. So, mm-hmm. Maddie, I'm so glad you sent this tip because I completely forgot that I was already doing that. So that would have been a great quick tip to send, and it was a great one. So thank you for sharing that. If you have a quick tip for our show, we would love to hear from you. It can be any random tip about cooking, housekeeping, something you do with your kids, ideas for fun date nights with your spouse, anything at all. We would love to share your ideas on the podcast. Just go to gingerhubbard.com slash quick tips to submit those. All right, Katie in a corner. That's Katie's Instagram, by the way. (laughs) We are so glad that you came out of the corner today and hopped up on your soapbox. But but before you manage to ruin any more holidays or weddings for us, how about you leave us with a final word of encouragement? Well, Ginger, while mine is obviously a pro-Halloween perspective, meaning I think Christians can redeem this occasion and make the most of every opportunity to engage our neighbors, there is grace and room for the conviction of the Holy Spirit in the life of every believer. We are all on a journey to walk out our faith in our own little corners of the world. So whether or not your family participates in decorating or dressing up this year, I'd like to leave you again with the words of David Mathis. And he says this, As Christians with open Bibles, we have a theology tall enough and thick enough for every ounce of Halloween and every other day of the year. This is not a night to moan and fret, but to rejoice with confident smiles and treats in hand and with open ears because the harvest is ripe for rehearsing precious truths or teaching them for the first time about the undaunted dominion of Christ and what it means for us as his people. We look upon the nastiest costumes and vilest of revelers with the mind and heart of Christ. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. That's Matthew 9, 36. 
So our number one calling as Christians isn't to avoid those in our world who are lost, but to go to them with the good news of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Katie. Uh, Before you go into our closing remarks, we'd just like to remind our listeners that we would absolutely love to come lead a women's event at your church. Mm -hmm. Katie and I offer a one or two day conference as well as a full weekend retreat. Hey, I mean, we would even come for a week if you provided Ginger with endless hot dogs. (laughs) True that. (laughs) Hey, speaking of which, guess who is heading to our county fair tonight? Are you serious? Yep, yours truly. (laughs) I'll be having a hot dog and a corn dog and quite possibly a funnel cake. Oh, wow, Ginger. You know what? You will not. Don't, yeah. don't, don't talk like that. No, Ginger will have one bite of each of those things, and that's about all her little tummy can handle. <laughs> that's true, but that's like a variety. You know, other than Thanksgiving, the county fair is actually my favorite meal of the year, if you can uh, believe it. Oh, wow. Well, if your church might be interested in hosting our women's conference or bringing Ginger in for a parenting conference, please fill out the contact form at gingerhubbard.com, and we'll get back to you with more information. And if you can schedule it to coincide with your county fair, even better. Yes, even better. Please do that. (laughs) Well, thank you listeners for joining us. If you enjoyed our show and want to hear more, please subscribe to our podcast wherever you're listening. And while you're there, can you leave us a rating or a review? This just helps us get the word out about our podcast so that other parents can be encouraged to reach the hearts of their children. If you have a parenting question, we invite you to submit it at gingerhubbard.com slash askginger, and we'll do our best to answer it in a future episode. And while you're on the website, you can find our show notes, which will include links to anything we mentioned in today's episode. While you're on gingerhubbard.com, you can find Ginger's wonderful resources that will help you get to the heart of outward behavior and address it from a biblical perspective. So today we're offering her parenting book, I Can't Believe You Just Said That, Biblical Wisdom for Taming Your Child's Tongue at a 10% discount when you use the code parenting at gingerhubbard.com. Ginger also offers a free discussion guide for this book on her website, which is great for book clubs and small group studies. If you'd like daily encouragement and parenting advice from Ginger, be sure to follow her on Instagram at ginger.hubbard. Thank you for joining us today. We look forward to being with you again next week. Until then, may God bless you as you seek to reach the hearts of your children for the glory of God. As a mom, I can't imagine going back to the good old days where parents just sent their teenagers off in a car without a way to call if they, you know, get into a fender bender with their insurance agent's daughter. That's a true story, I did that. And as my kids mature, I like the idea of them being able to reach me if something happens. Uh, But I don't like the idea of giving my kids access to the entire World Wide Web of wackadoos. This is why I'm ecstatic to introduce you to our sponsor, Gab Wireless. They are the first smartwatch and smartphone provider to actually do something smart when it comes to our kids. Gab watches and phones look and feel like all the smart devices on the market, but the great thing is that they don't cost more than a mortgage payment, and they're super safe for kids. There's no internet, no apps, no games, no social media, and no contract. Instead, the Gab watches and phones have just the functionality that is safe for kids and nothing more. Gab watches and phones are just $100 and start at $10 per month for service. But for our podcast listeners, Gab has offered $30 off the price of their watches and phones. Just use the code GINGER at checkout to get your Gab watch or Gab phone for just $70. Go to Gab, that's G-A-B-B wireless.com and use the code GINGER at checkout. Again, that's Gab, G-A-B-B wireless.com and use the code GINGER at checkout.